I was suffering with heat exhaustion. Um, I started to hallucinate as well. It got to a point where I could almost feel my insides drying up. We're talking now I'd been in the Gobi Desert at this point for about three weeks. Hey guys, welcome back to When It Hits The Fan, the podcast that delves into what really happens when things go wrong on the road. Brought to you by Battleface, the tough face of travel insurance. We're super excited to bring you today's guest. Uh, he's an adventurer and extreme athlete who, at the age of 30, already has three world first records under his belt. Ash Dykes first caught the public's attention when he walked 1,500 miles solo and unsupported across Mongolia in 2014. He followed it up two years later with a 1,600-mile trek across Madagascar via its eight highest peaks. And in 2018, he embarked on another world-first record attempt, walking the 4,000-mile length of the Yangtze River in China. Unsurprisingly, Ash had plenty of hairy moments on the road, including encountering bandits, contracting the deadliest form of malaria, sandstorms, snow blizzards, and a heap of formidable obstacles. Guys, we're going to be releasing new podcast episodes regularly, so hit the subscribe button uh, so you don't miss any of those. And, of course, we'd love a review on whatever platform you're using to, uh, to listen to or watch this podcast. Anyway, that's enough from me. Let's hear from the main man himself. Ash, thanks so much for joining us. No problem. Thanks for, for reaching out and making it happen. Oh, absolutely. I guess the um, the, the past 11 months of, of, you know, kind of coming in and out of lockdown must have been quite tricky for someone as active as you. Yeah, you know, it's been a little frustrating, but it's one of those. It is what it is. You know, I always say you've got to adapt. And for me personally, I've been isolated in much worse environments. So I guess I could be thankful for being isolated in a uh, in a good place with shelter over my head, warm, dry, food in my belly. So, uh, but yeah, I've just been trying to make the most of it and, and and do what I can whilst I can because every red light does turn green and it will be all go again. I hope we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. But you're in you're back in North Wales at the moment, are you? Yeah, back in North Wales. Yeah, yeah. So I arrived here about what, a week ago, almost now. Uh, so I'm just doing my 10 day um, isolation and then I can get back out, you know, into the mountains because it's not a bad place where I live, you know, next to the sea, the mountains, the lakes and whatnot. Um, and so, yeah, get back Perfect out there. Opportunity to train again. Exactly. Yeah. Back to the grind. <laughs> but I, I um, as I understand it, then your your incident of kind of when it hit the fan was uh, was a, a very different terrain the, the North Wales. Do you want to tell us where this took place? Yeah, so this took place um, on my sort of first world first crossing across Mongolia, and it happened in the Gobi Desert, and it was a, an incident which was um, almost fatal. Yeah, but luckily, you know, I, I lived to tell the tale, thankfully, but just about. Okay, what, what happened then? And I mean, this was when you were, you were quite young, 23, 24, is that right? Yeah, I was, yeah, I was 23. Yeah. So I'd done all of my sort of previous adventures for a number of years, you know, cycling Vietnam, Cambodia, learning how to survive in the jungle with the Burmese hill tribe, checking, trekking the Himalayas. 
and then settling down in Thailand for two years as a Muay Thai fighter and scuba instructor. And then it was after this two year that I, I just started this adventure and, and wanted to take on something much bigger than I'd ever done before. Um, and that was to become the first person to walk solo and unsupported across Mongolia. So it was three weeks over the Altai Mountains. It was five weeks across the Gobi Desert and three weeks through the Mongolian steppe, completely solo, completely unsupported, low budget, you know, all of my previous adventures on a shoestring budget. Mm. So there was no sort of good evacuation plan. Um, all of my provisions I had to carry on a trailer, um, which weighed 18 stone or 120 kilograms. So it was strapped like a four point harness and I had to pull that through. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, yeah, it was a, it was a, a scary expedition that I, I did hold a lot of fear to. Uh, it had been attempted before by a desert explorer, Navy soldier, uh, three times before he was evacuated. That put further doubts into my mind, but I, I flew back to Wales. I trained up as best as I could mentally and physically and, and set out on the journey which took 78 days in total. But there is one specific incident where I did almost lose my life. Um, and so I think I'll go into detail on, on that. Sure. So with that, so as I mentioned, 18 stone trailer and pulling that, I'd already made it over the Altai Mountains, which was about minus 15 degrees Celsius. You know, there were wolves. It was very tricky terrain. Um, and then I eventually dropped down into the Gobi Desert I had so, so far surviving four weeks, you know, but after the Altai Mountains, I was a lot skinnier. I was a lot weaker. I think at this stage, I had already lost 10 kilograms and I was trekking further down south and deeper into the Gobi Desert, following sort of tracks, if you like. Um, and it was all map work, compass and map. Um, and as I'm going, I do feel myself getting dehydrated, you know, because I did have to ration my water to a certain degree. So I had a 20 litre water container uh, on my trailer. Um, and so I have to top that up at each confirmed water well or, or community where they, they had water. And that was the big issue is if the well has water. Um, and the weeks went by in the Gobi Desert and I started to become a little bit more delirious um dehydrated i was suffering a little bit with with heat exhaustion um but i just i just kept going i was covering about 14 to 16 hours a day um and at this specific incident i had now gone over eight days without seeing a single human um i came across um a well that was dry and this was the real sticking point it was this dry well that now i had to push on to the next confirmed water source which had a community but we're talking it's a good while away and i'm i now only have a short amount of water remaining kind of the last sort of dribbles of water if you like and i'm already dehydrated but there's no other option i have to keep pushing on i was suffering with heat exhaustion um i start to hallucinate as well it got to a point where i could almost feel my insides drying up we're talking now I've been in the Gobi Desert at this point for about three weeks um, alone in the Gobi Desert, pulling the trailer. It was plus 40 degrees Celsius. The terrain was a mix of gravel and soft sand. So whereby the thin wheels that I had on my trailer would sink into the soft sand, making it feel like 500 kilograms. I would often have to lean completely forward with my walking poles stretched and using my my legs and arms to pull the trailer through. 
and there was no breeze, there was no shelter, no shade. In fact, the only bit of shelter that I could get was, was underneath my trailer. So I remember lying on the desert floor, which was pretty hot during the day, mm. um, just to hide from the sun. You know, I'd, I'd be able to fit my upper body under the trailer, but my legs would be sticking out. It felt like they were just melting. Um, and I remember looking at the water and, you know, the hardest thing was when I started to drink, I would have to remember to pull it away from my mouth because I needed to make this water last. I guess with this every water, instinct in your body, just saying more, you know, you, you yeah, really want exactly to just chug that. it as much as possible. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, and it was hot water. You know, at this point it was hot water, but didn't my, you know, it, it's liquid. I need to get that in me. And it was probably at this point, you know, as I've described what I'm going through in complete agony, um, where I was under my trailer and I realized that if I don't keep getting up and pushing on, bearing in mind, sometimes I could, I could hide under my trailer for a good hour at a time at least, and the day would go by. And I, you know, at the end of the day, I've not made much progress. And I told myself, if I don't keep getting up and pushing on, I'm going to die out here in the Gobi Desert. Um, like I said, you know, this was a really low budget expedition. Uh, my only pickup uh, I, had, I had now already missed if it would by text only on a satellite phone, and that would be a text to my logistics manager in the capital. And I would need to allow at least three to four days for him to get to me. And that's if he found me in time, that's um, three, four days uh, is, is good type of thing. But if I had like the helicopter evacuation, that would have been fine, but that wasn't an option. And so at this point, three to four days for my agent to get to me and then another day or two days for him to get me out of that location to the water source. And I genuinely didn't believe I could survive five to six days um, or what the option, the only option that I had now, or if I keep getting up and pushing on, I've got four days. I know that going with the pace that I'm currently going with the rest that I'm currently taking, it will take four days to get to that next water source which is confirmed. There's no risk in that. There's a community there and I know it has water, unlike the well that was dry. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I think I could survive You're back. The sound went, but you're back. Oh, yeah. So I don't believe I could have lasted um, six days. So I decided, you know, all the, all the pain and the agony that I'm going through. And I was thinking a lot at that time, you know, I was thinking about family. I was thinking, you know, have I, have I messed up here? Um, but I decided to ignore that, stop feeling sorry. It is what it is. I've put myself in this scenario, focus on not what could go wrong, but now what I could do to make it right. And so actually breaking my goals down saved my life. I actually decided that if I'm going to do this, I need to focus on walking 100 meters because that's all as I could manage. So I'd strap up the four point harness. I'd lean completely forward, pull the trailer 100 meters, maybe 200 meters if I was lucky. And I would allow myself no more than five minutes resting underneath my trailer. And so by doing that 100 meters, five minutes, 100 meters, five minutes for the next four agonizing, brutal days. Wow. Uh, I did just about make it to that community in which I was in such a bad way. I did collapse. My urine was pretty much black. My organs just felt like they weren't really functioning. Um, and it took me a good eight days to recover before I could even think about pushing on again. Um, very lucky to have made that that community. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting what you say about, 
you know, going through this kind of emotional turmoil as well as obviously the, the kind of phys physical issues, but then coming to the conclusion that it's not going to help me to think about these things, you know, kind of worrying about people back home, worrying about what have I got myself into. None of this is going to get me out of the situation. I just need to break it down into kind of incremental steps that I can take to, you know, yeah. to, to get out of it. And it's kind of, you must learn an incredible amount about yourself, you know, about expeditions, about kind of, you know, just, just generally how to overcome challenges when you're put in that, yeah. you know, particularly deadly situation. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You know, after Mongolia, um, that's when I realised that not only for myself, but people in general uh, are so more capable than they give themselves credit for. You know, the amount of fear and doubt that I had with Mongolia, you know, the, even this Navy soldier, he did write to me. I, I asked him for a list of dangers, you know, things that I should look out for. And he got back saying, you need to watch out for the junker nomadic drifters, the snow blizzards, the sandstorms, the dry wells, the stagnant water, the wolves, and the list went on and on and on. And I remember at the end of that email, um, because he had a, this is a guy who had attempted it three times, um, he said, remember, incredible is the ability to continue no matter what. And I never knew what he meant by that, but I remember just that sentence alone intimidated the fuck out of me. I was like, what does he mean by that? Um, and then when I did complete it, he, you know, he was a decent guy. He said, well, well done, you proved it's possible. I like to think I was the angel sat on your shoulder. Uh, and I do remember, you know, thinking of that quote when I was under my trailer and because I was hallucinating and I was in such a bad way, I almost personified incredible as a thing that if, because no one and nothing's incredible, but if it was a thing, what would it do? And it was almost like I needed a big brother there with me or a role model. And I kind of visualized this figure and it was breaking its goals down. It was getting up from out of the trailer before me. It was walking further than me. It would rest and then I would rest, but then it kept getting out. I tried keeping up, but I couldn't keep up. It was getting further and further away. But enough for me to get to that community, you know, because as I said, my mind was, was mush. I was in a really, really bad place. Um, and so it was almost that, that saying that had scared me for the, all of that time came into play uh, and I was able to utilize it to my benefit. Um, and yeah, at the end of it, all of the doubt, all of the fear that I had, I realized that that is just, it's just sort of what your body does, isn't it? It's kind of like with a bungee. Once you leave that platform, you, you're, you're fine. It's just taking that jump. Um, that's what it was with Mongolia. And I finished realizing that, wow, you know, we are far more capable than we, than we think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, true mind over matter stuff really, isn't it? Yeah. What's, um, what's next for you then, Ash? I mean, I, I imagine you probably have a, a few projects that you're kind of currently planning towards or, or some things that you'd like to do in the future. Is there anything concrete yet? Yes, there is something concrete, um, which is very exciting. Uh, I can't say just yet, um, but it is looking to take place this year. And uh, it is a work, it's been a work in progress and yeah, it's exciting to, to get it where it is, where we can now, you know, start moving forward with it and, and make it happen. Um, and so, yeah, as you say, I'm still young in this industry um, and there is still plenty more. I think we're only just getting warmed up here. So uh, stay tuned for sure. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, if people do want to stay tuned, they want to find out more about you where should they do that which, which social media are you most active on and uh and, and yeah where should they go yeah i'd say instagram is the most sort of engaging and interactive 
um, social media, and that's just Ash underscore Dykes. Um, but yeah, there is the Facebook, the YouTube, the Twitter, etc. Yeah. It's fantastic. Well, of course, people will, I'm sure, go to those various um, uh, various platforms to, to find out about your next big project. And if they haven't looked at the uh, the, the previous three record-breaking projects, they'll uh, they'll go there to find out about those as well. But um, thanks so much Good for joining man. us uh, this, this afternoon, uh, Ash, and uh, in, enjoy the uh, you know late winter sun in North Wales, as I will enjoy it in Birmingham. Yeah, I'll have to get out in my back garden, won't I? <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Yeah, Cheers. no, appreciate it. Thanks for coming, everybody. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you. Take care. See you now. Well, that's about as much as we've got time for this episode. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed listening to Ash. Uh, we have got some incredible guests coming up in the next few weeks and months. So if you want to find out when we've got a new episode coming out, just you know hit that subscribe button or follow us on social media. Uh, obviously, our links are in the description of the video below. Uh, but until then, bye-bye.